Now, I want y'all to notice what I said and how I said it. Mm -hmm. We spent weeks teaching about we are completing Christ. I am completing Christ. So when we talk, we want to make a distinction between the real you mm -hmm. and the flesh you. Mm -hmm. Because some of you think the flesh you is the real you, mm. but it's not. Because you spent more time with the flesh you. Because but you, that doesn't make it the real but you. But that doesn't make it the real you. So we're saying to you, you need to understand why. Because I want you to change your confession that it's hard to obey mm. God. Yeah. No, the real you wants to obey God. Mm -hmm. The spirit man that knows who your God is wants to obey. Mm -hmm. So what do you have to begin to do? You have to begin to develop your spirit man so that your spirit man can take authority over your fleshly man and say, sit down, be quiet. We're going to obey God. That's I it. wish I had a hundred people who would say this morning, I am going to obey God. Listen, I'll say it for 10 of them. I'm going to obey God. 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 I'm going to obey God, and then I'm going to obey God. And then I'm going to obey God. I'm going to obey God. And guess what? I'm going to obey God, and I'm going to obey God. Amen. <laughs> we have to normalize obeying God. I like that. We have to normalize. We it. have to normalize obeying God. Amen. We are not a people who disobey God. I'm prophesying that to us yeah. right now. I'm going Fellowship to obey God. Fellowship of Champions is not a people that disobey God. We are a we, ministry where our partners normalize obeying we God. We normalize obeying God. You remember when Mary Mary came out with a song and they said, you don't love God? What's wrong with you? Our normalization needs to be, you don't obey God? What's wrong with you? Because what does the scripture say? It says, if you love God, do what? Keep, Keep, his, my commandments. Keep his commandments. Keep my commandments. Now, I want to give y'all this saying, and I want y'all to just meditate on it and pray on it this week because the Lord gave it to me yesterday. And it's this right here. Rebukes are for restoration. Because if we're going to teach righteousness, we're all going to have areas where the Lord is going to deal with us, right? Rebukes are for restoration. Now, maybe in your life, You've had people rebuke you too hard. Maybe you've had people who've rebuked you in a way that embarrassed you. Maybe you've rebuked people in that way. But when God rebukes, when Holy Spirit corrects, he does it for restoration. What is he doing? Restoring you to your real identity. It's not a rejection. It is all. not a rejection. Rebukes are for restoration. And I need you to settle that. And I want to see a few people post that on social media this week as a reminder that a rebuke is for restoration. And maybe some of you even need to begin to tell your kids that, mm. that rebuke is for restoration. So if you didn't listen to Pastor Went Pastor on Wednesday, you should definitely go back. I was going to say Pastor Wednesday. Pastor Wednesday. <laughs> Pastor Wednesday. If you didn't listen to Pastor Wednesday on Wednesday, Pastor Strick on Wednesday, then you should definitely go back and do that. He did such an excellent teaching. And um, and it was a lot of rebuke in that, but rebuke is for restoration. Mm. Because ultimately, Jesus says, I'm not coming back for a broke down church that lives any kind of way. Right. I'm coming back for a church without spot or blemish. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 4 that the purpose of the fivefold ministry is to perfect, perfect the, the saints. saints. Tell your neighbor, I should be able to take a rebuke. Yes. The purpose of the fivefold ministry is not to get you a car. 
It's not to get you a house. Now, some of those things may come as a result sure. of it, but ultimately the purpose is to perfect Christ in each one of us. Amen. That means as adults, and I think we say this all the time, right? You can parent little kids. Yeah. You cannot parent adults without their permission. And the role of fivefold ministry is really a parenting and a developing and a correcting of the body so that we can look like Christ wants us to look. But we cannot correct you if you will not be corrected. You know, and I grew up, and we've said this before, I grew up in the Church of God in Christ. And one of the things we established early on was the idea that your pastor ought to be able to pastor you, that your pastor, in many cases, ought to be able to father you, right? In the Bible, one of the scriptures we use all the time was the idea that if you can't take chastisement, which is, which is correction or, or rebuke, whatever word you want to choose, if you can't take that, then you're not fit to be a son, meaning you're not fit to be a child in that house then. Because every child has to be able to take the correction of their parents. Now, does that mean that as pastors, you and I want to sit around and tell everybody what to do? I think over the years of ministry we've been in, we've established that is not we what do we want to do. Want to in do fact, that. we get criticized probably sometimes for not being more directive in people's lives. But we are firm believers that people need to hear. They need to learn to hear Holy Spirit for themselves. And then we're there to help them to see the blind spots or to help them when they don't understand something. But you got to be able to take that kind of correction, though. If you can't take correction and rebuke, you're not fit to be a son. The, bastard, the, 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 the Bible calls you being, being a bastard, meaning you're, you're, you're illegitimate. You're not, you're not with the family. And so we declare that the spirit of, of, of disobedience and the spirit that would get on people to cause them to, to reject the correction that's really intended to improve their life, be broken off of their lives in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, one of the things that we talk about, you know, you, you we talk about you guys all the time. We're, we're constantly thinking of God, how can we help them? We want them to have everything that you want them to have. We want them to grow. We want them to be everything that you want them to be. And one of the things that we see sometimes is that there are people who aren't making progress really because they can't take correction sure, right. because they can't take a rebuke and everybody who can't take a rebuke doesn't disconnect. Yeah. Everybody who there are some people who can't take a rebuke. So they just run off somewhere. Mm -hmm. There are many people who sit and they say, amen, pastor, but they have no intention to change. Yeah. And so the Bible tells us that a curse doesn't come without a cause. That's right. And one of the things we've been looking at, particularly over the last year, is that many times when we talk to people and we see the same cycles, the open door is the refusal to take correction. It's the, it's, it's they, it's they won't be corrected. So I need you to agree with your real self this morning, your God self, and say, I can be corrected. You know, and I hear it. I know because there are people out there who say, Pastor Edwin, Pastor Sean, I've been in this ministry. I've been in that ministry. I've been in this ministry. And I tried to do what you were saying. And people abused me. And they took advantage of me. And they hurt me. We are not discounting that. What we are saying to you is that you need to ask God, is Pastor Edwin, is Pastor Sean my pastor? And if you if God tells you yes and you believe that, then you can't keep you can't come to us with your feelings toward where you've been before. That's you right. have to be able to start new. What we can tell you is that we have a track record of not abusing people. 
We have a track record of not trying to control people. And, 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 and you have to come with the attitude that, okay, I'm going to give this a chance. That's why I tell people, ask God whether we're your pastors. Don't just say it because you like what we preach, you like what we say. Ask God. Because when we have to make that correction in your life, that's what's going to have to anchor you. What did God say? Not the emotions of, oh, I like Pastor Sean. I like Pastor Edwin. Pastor Sean's so far. I love her lives. Everybody loves the lives until you have to get corrected. Everybody, loves everybody, everybody loves us until you have to be corrected on something. And the teaching we're getting ready to do is going to be a corrective teaching. But it's not because we don't love you. It's because we want the best for you. It's why parents correct their children, if you think about it, good parents, because they really want the best for them. And the truth of it is, is that for many of you, it's time to grow up. Yeah. You know, the Bible says that when you should be eating meat and when you should be teaching others that you still have need yeah. to be taught the basics yeah. again. Guys, I'm just going to tell you this. If you've been saved more than three years, nobody should have to tell you don't be cussing people out on social media. Right. There, it, Nobody should be have to tell you that you should not be having sex outside of marriage. And let's say they don't know. Let's help. Don't be cussing on social media. Don't be having sex outside of marriage. Because maybe, I mean, I, okay, we, we, fair, we, we fair. think they should, we we think think they they should, should need to be told. Okay. But maybe they need to be told. So we just tell them. <laughs> well, and I want to add this too. Um, we, we talked about this a lot this weekend, and I'll let you shape however you want to send us in the teaching today. But, we, you know, one of the things I notice is that a lot of believers don't read their Bibles. Yeah. You don't read scripture. And when you don't read scripture, it's so easy for you to be deceived in a couple of ways. One, for someone who's not a believer to just have you believe in anything. Mm. And two, for you to believe because you feel it and you think it that God is co-signing. Mm. And I really want to encourage you. Do you does everybody have a Bible? Everybody needs to get a Bible. And as the old saints say, you need a Bible you can touch. I, I promise I'm a firm believer. You need a Bible you can ain't touch. Ain't nothing wrong with electronic Bibles. But it's something about being able to write in the margins. It's something about being able to circle something and to highlight it and to be tactical with that Bible and be able to run to your concordance and make yourself some notes. Something happens when you write, when you're tactical, and it gets into your brain and helps you to understand and memorize and make connections. And I think we lose that when everybody just pull up everything on the Bible app. Well, I was going to say something else, but I like what you say. <laughs> okay. You, some of y'all don't need an electronic Bible because every notification gets you out the Bible app. Oh, okay. I mean, really, you, you, you say, I'm going to read my Bible, and then literally you get a notification TikTok. You don't went to TikTok for seven minutes. You don't come back to your Bible app. You don't, you're on your Bible app for 30 seconds. Then you get something from Facebook. You get a text. You get a phone to call. And literally what should have been 20 minutes of good time just ends up being an hour and 30 minutes of you running all over the place and you still didn't get any word in you. And so I think it's both of those things. I need you need, I think you need to discipline yourself to say there are times in our relationship, there are times in our relationship where we are together doing other things. Mm -hmm. And there are times in our relationship where we are just with each other. And there are times in your relationship where you may be with God listening to other things, but there are times in your relationship where it should just be you and God. Y'all yep. get a Bible, get a Bible, get a, Bible. Get a journal, get some highlighters, mm. get write some notes in the margins. Don't expect to grow without your participation. Amen. 
All right. Now how you want to take it? Well, you know, just really, we were talking about this thing last Sunday about about this lifestyle of righteousness. Right. And, and one of the things that I read on uh, Wednesday, which we don't we don't put the scripture, but we read it on Wednesday is something I think we need to keep in mind. It was in Philippians one uh, twenty seven. And it says this. And I'm just going to read it. You don't have to put it on the screen. It says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. It says conduct yourselves. In other words, behave in such a way that when the world sees you, it is worthy of them taking notice of the gospel you proclaim. It says, then whether I come to see you or only hear about you in my absence, this was Paul talking to the Philippian church. He says, I'm going to know that you stand firm in the one spirit striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. And so we started talking about, man, it's so important that the body of Christ understands that when we talk about grace, grace is a powerful force. But grace was never designed for us to exercise as a license to sin. Amen. And, Amen. and, and so true. many times in the church recently, we've become either so seeker friendly that we just want to be palatable to everybody that we just let everything go. If you want to do it, that's fine. We ain't going to say nothing about it. If you feel like you want to live this way, even though the Bible is clear that it's, that it's contrary, you know, that you shouldn't do it. Uh, I was on my way home and, you know, when I'm traveling, I ain't got nothing better to do in the airport, but just kind of put some funny stuff up or do something. And so the other day, literally, I put on there uh, because I heard this preacher who was talking about uh, people living together, how the, the, the times have changed. And because times have changed, we can't be living by these old uh, orthodoxes, what he called it. No, actually, the word he used was uh, antiquated. We can't be living by these old antiquated ideas uh, that, that, that shacking is wrong. And I thought, wow, we got preachers out here telling people that shacking is not wrong. So I made this funny post. I thought it was a funny post that, that they had taken shacking off the list. And it was amazing the number of believers who was like, wait, well, shacking ain't never really been a sin. Like, what do you mean? And then they tried to get so technical to be like, well, just because you live with somebody doesn't mean it's a sin. Well, first of all, let's go back to the definitions, right? Because when the Bible talks about chambering, it's talking about living together in a sexual relationship. And then people was like, well, uh, what does the dictionary say? And then you, several of you, while I was on the plane, found a uh, dictionary definition. So what they do? They went to a dictionary where they couldn't find it defined. And that's what happens. Sin will always let you look for an out. Ooh. Anytime you are wanting to sin, sin will help you find the out. And what we keep saying is, listen, y'all, we have been called to be ambassadors of Christ. And as such, we have to live differently. So whatever you do, live in a way that is worthy of Jesus. That's what Paul was telling the Philippians. Live in a way that is worthy of Jesus. Last he says, night, whatever happens. Whatever happens. Whatever happens. So we should get to the point that our heart's desire is that in every situation, we want to respond in a way that would honor God. Yes. I went to, because you had said that, I went to Psalms 119. And if y'all haven't read Psalms 19, it really is an anchoring thing about yeah. living right. It's a long chapter. But, yeah. but it says in Psalms 119, verse 11, it says, your word 
I have laid up in my heart mm. for this purpose, not so I can get a car, but that not, I not what? that I might not, not sin against, against you. you. So I intentionally put your word in my heart. So when I go out in the world and sin offers me an out to sin, I will have your word hidden in my heart so that I will not sin against you. And what I am calling for is a body of believers again that will say, I hide your word in my heart because I don't want to sin against you. And because there has been such a deficit, because there's been such an, such an absence of the actual study of God's word, sin has been able to run rampant even within the church. Even and when I say church. the church, I mean the body of Christ, because we have literally, you know, in some ways we are in the, in the older days, many of our ancestors were actually illiterate and they were illiterate because they weren't afforded the opportunity to read. No one could, in, in times there were, it was illegal to teach people who look like us to read. And so they had a much more reliance upon Holy Spirit to have to teach them because they couldn't read. Well, man, we got educated, and the more educated we got, the least the, the, the least re reliant upon Holy Spirit we became. And so then we didn't study God's word anymore because we now could freely go to the movies. We can now freely go to the lake. We could do all these things we used to couldn't do, and now we've neglected God's word, and now there's such a, 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 a biblical illiteracy in the body of Christ. There is such a biblical illiteracy in the body of Christ. You start saying what something can or can't do, and you put it on Facebook, and you'll get people people who love God. No, right? Because we no. argue with you that that ain't what you like. This is what you can, show me the scripture. You show it to them, and they still say, "Well, I don't think it's meaning that." Well, who cares what you think it means? The Bible says it clearly that fornication is a sin. Now, how else you fornicating? How are you fornicating and saying it's not a sin when the Bible says it is? And that's why I made the statement that we've got to get to the place that even if we're doing it, even if I'm doing it, if the Bible says it's wrong, guess what? It's wrong. It's wrong. It's wrong. And I was thinking about this because that, you know, that post really bugged me. In fact, that, that <laughs> baby, that post bugged me because it wasn't non-believers. No. I understand why non-believers do what they do. But do you know what we have way too many of in the body? We have too many unbelieving believers, mm -hmm. people who have said that they have accepted Jesus as their personal savior, but they're like, oh no, but I don't believe the Bible. Because they ain't accepted him as Lord. Yeah. They're like, hey, I need an escape plan. I need, I need a way to escape hell. Jesus, you the way. Well, you got to live like this. Oh, hold up now. You're going too far, Jesus. They, he's not Lord and savior for them. He's savior for them. And that's the problem. We got to get people to see that duality of Lord and Savior. Put that in the comments. Say, he is my Lord and my Savior. Lord and Savior. I love what Pastor Chris said. She said, the flesh never wants to be crucified. It will argue to stay put. Absolutely. The flesh wants to say other people are doing mm -hmm. it, which is why I made a post the other day. I said, listen, I don't care who's doing it. I don't, I, I, when I, if I call out a sin, I'm not saying I'm without sin. I'm not the standard. Jesus is the standard. My, my Mima used to say it like this. She used to say all the time. She would say, listen, if a drunk man, you take my well, if it, if it, it was your grandmother who said it too, yeah. they, all folks used to say it. If a drunk man is drunk, 
and tell you that you wrong for being drunk, he right even if he drunk when he tell you. He right even if he drunk, even if he wouldn't tell you. Because right is right. So like if you fornicated before you got married, you shouldn't be telling your kids, oh, it's okay. You should say to your kids, I want you to live better than I live. Right. I didn't know the stuff that you know. I want you to do it God's way. Absolutely. If you ever were in an, a, a committed adultery, you should be saying to your kids and friends, guys, yes, I know I did this, but this is not pleasing to God. If you ever cussed anybody out, if you ever stole the tithe, whatever it is. And let me tell you, here's the thing. When you don't want to obey, when you don't want to obey, hear me, you will find someone to approve your disobedience. Oh, absolutely. And what I see in the body of Christ, the enemy, you know, we talk about the enemy not being cunning and all that stuff. But he actually is pretty cunning. He is. And, and he's pretty slick because what he does is he says, OK, I can't get Sean to move off of X. So maybe if I get someone who Sean really loves, who is going through X, Shauna change her stance. And, and, and what we have seen in the body of Christ is those who are supposed to be teaching and leading, that's what's happening to them. We've seen people who've preached against X, Y, and Z because it was biblically correct. But, but then because their kids deviate from it and because they love their kids and because they, wanna, they, they want to, I, I guess, try to appease their kids or their friend or their coworker or whatever, then they go, okay, well, maybe it's not a sin. And they back off of it. Well, the problem is, is then now you began as leaders to teach other people that what God said is wrong is not wrong. And the Bible says it's better that a millstone be tied around your neck and you be cast into the sea until rather than you to cause other people to stumble. And all I know is that that's New Testament because I it's know that New people, Testament. because here's what happens. I feel like we're in this place. Is this making sense to y'all? Y'all check in with us. I feel like we're in this place where every time there's an opportunity for correction, someone wants to go Old Testament, Old Testament, Old Testament. God did not die when Jesus went to the cross. And let me just say this. A principle is it's a, a principle, principle. Is a principle. It's a principle. So if you reject the Old Testament when it comes to correction, don't let me hear you talking about you the head, not the tail. Because that's Old Testament. That's Old Testament. Don't let me hear you talking about he know the plans he think towards me, said the Lord, thoughts the ink. That's Old Testament. That's Old Testament. He gave me the power to get well. Sorry, ma'am. Sorry, He'll sir. What I put my hand Sorry, to. sir. Old Testament. Old Testament. Old Testament. So if you can't get correction out of the Old Testament, you can't get them blessings out of it either. But if you're really a New Testament believer, then when somebody talk about you, you turn the other cheek. Mm. Mm. Now, if, if somebody steals something from you, you give them your coat. Mm. Instead of pressing charges. <laughs> I mean, really, and that is why it's so important for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit yeah. and to read their Bible. Mm -hmm. And I want to give you all this word that the Lord, I think we've been praying on it about five days that the Lord told me. Um is that God wants to do a great work, particularly for um, a, a group of people that 20 to 30 something. Yep. The 20, 30 something. So if you have a kid, a niece, a nephew, a kid, if you, you talk, know, anybody, if you in know anybody in the world, 20 to 30, I want you to begin to pray. We have some very specific things. Praying that these kids, they're not kids, but this I'm going to say kids. Age group. Th this age group, they would encounter God. Yes. They would encounter God for themselves. Yes. That they would have Holy Ghost encounters, angelic encounters, that they would know without a shadow of a doubt 
that there is no comparison to Jesus in any other thing that they are offered and that they would know that God has called them and his hand is on their life. Yeah. And so we've been praying it, what, five days five now? Days. And we need you to agree with us and to prophesy. So what we're saying things is like we decree and declare. Uh, we went back and took me and Nietzsche. We took all of the kids who are in that age group that used to be in victory zone, right? Mm -hmm. And we said, we declare that your prophetic will over their life will be done, that you will encounter them. You will snatch them out of the pit of hell. You will deliver them. And because let me say this, babe, in this newfangled Christianity, which is not biblical Christianity, we are now teaching people hell ain't even real. Oh, absolutely. We're telling them that. And so what I say all the time is this, okay, let's say I'm wrong. And hell is not a real place. It didn't hurt you to live right. right. But what if hell is real? And here's the reality about hell. If we want to talk about it, it was never designed for God's people. It was never designed for God. It was never. It, but that's why the Bible says it is the will of God that none should what? Perish. It is his will that none should perish. But how we also know he gave us what? Free will. will. So his will is that none would. But he gives you the freedom if you want. <laughs> but what we're saying is that we need to be preaching this gospel message to the entire world. And we believe that if this age group, the 20s to the 30 year olds or, or, or slightly in between, if you want to go up to 35, whatever it is, if we can get them on fire for God, man, they have the potential to really turn the ship. You know, so that we don't become a a world where people are less and less dependent on God. No, that's so good. But I would like to add this. You can't expect your kids to live righteously when you live any kind of way. And one of the things I appreciate, one of the things that I listen, when I was growing up, I did some stuff my grandmama knew not to do. Yeah. You know what else I knew? I couldn't do it at our house. Yeah. If I, if, I, if I was gonna see and I better see somewhere else. I knew I couldn't do it at our house. Right. And 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 people should not be if if your house is an, an embassy for righteousness, you people, your family members. I, I know this seemed like some basic stuff, but let me say this. Listen, you was engaged to be married. Baby, engaged. Yeah, what my grandma I'm talking about you had a ring and everything. Uh, and we a had date. a date and we had invitations. was ordered, case was ordered. And my we grandma went to said, court. I said, she said, Edwin, you going right up here to Pat House? Uh -huh. And sure, you, you get right, right back in that room. <laughs> And she said, she said, listen, until you say I do, she you said, don't. listen, no, she said, I don't know what y'all do with y'all sending house, but what you're not going to do in my house. That's right. What you, my grandmother was like, I don't drink. You're not drinking in my house. That's right. I don't smoke. You're not smoking in my house. You're not smoking no weed in my house. And we live in a society now where literally people will let someone bring their adulterous partner to the birth to dinner hey. and nobody well i don't have anything to do that, with ain't, that. that ain't my business uh -uh. and i just I, I think there has to be somebody say there's nothing i'm telling don't bring them around me i'm gonna tell there should be a righteous <laughs> standard amen there should be a righteous we should not be able to live any kind of way and don't feel nothing and don't nobody say anything but to pastor us. edwin pastor sean times are different pop culture is happening different paul said whatever happens live like you worthy of this gospel whatever happens i don't care what somebody else does in a, in, a, in, a, in a different society. I don't care how, how, how uh, morality changes. He says, you live like what you know you've been taught. 
So I want you to go to Jude because I thought that was so powerful. Okay. But listen, if you can just, re you can study, you can read the Bible and you can study the history of any society. Yep. When a people turns from God, they're going into bondage yeah. and they're going to end up in destruction. You look at our world and you say, why are the things happening the way that they're happening? Look at the people's regard for God. If the people disregard God, then the people are going to go into bondage. And, you know, here's the thing. I have no interest in being mean to people and just saying any kind of thing to people. But I want it to be clear. It's stuff you're not going to do in my house. You can't. It's stuff you're you not going to do in my do house. And it's stuff you're not. I got some good, good friends. You ain't finna bring somebody else's husband and sit down at the table with mm -mm. me. You're not about to do I mean, that. We can't do that. We cannot do that. Mm -mm. You're not going to live unrighteous. It, and, and, and here's the thing. I was thinking about this scripture in Isaiah and it says, it's an old, I know y'all against the old, some of y'all against the old Testament. <laughs> I know y'all are, but it says this. If you warn them and they don't listen, then the blood is off your hands. Yep. But if you don't warn them, then the blood is on your hands. And how many of you have sat silently Watching people that you know are born again believers legitimately co-signing their sin. And, and here's the thing. There's a difference between silent. Some of y'all are silent, but some of y'all are literally co-conspirators. You're complicit. You are co-conspirators. <laughs> literally, I call you. I tell you I'm thinking about having an affair with so-and-so. You're like, well, girl, listen, you y'all been married a long time. I mean, everybody need to get a little, a little fresh sometime. Man, it ought not be named so among the body of Christ. It should not. It should not. All right, I want you to use Jude because I think you woke Jude out. I'm trying to find exactly where I had it because I think you're talking about them right there. Is that what it is? Yes, right there. <laughs> them right there. Look, the, 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 the media team already got they, it up. They own them it. right there because this is the danger yeah. in the body of Christ yeah. that you need to understand. Yeah. Go ahead, babe. All, Go ahead, Jude. Jude. All right, I think it was Jude one through four. Uh, it says, for certain individuals whose condemnation was written long ago have secretly slipped in among you. It says, they are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God. And they, they, they pervert it into a license for immorality. And they deny Jesus Christ as our only Sovereign and Lord. Yes, but you also read it in another translation. I did. In my hold on, let me get it in another yeah, translation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. <laughs> hold on. I just wanted to know. Let me go. No, no, let me no, go. No, no. Let me this go is, to it. Because this go. is it right here. It says, "Here is how the church gets off track." They got it up for you. Oh, it yeah. says there are people who sneak in the church. Yeah. They're not people outside yeah. of the church. Yeah. They're people who sneak in the church. And, 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 and they actually are there. They, they secretly teach something different than they're what's wolves. being taught. They're, they're, they're wolves. wolves. Yes. And the job of a wolf is to devour the sheep. Mm. It says, what has happened is that some people have infiltrated our ranks. As scripture warned us this would happen. Mm -hmm. Who beneath their pious skin are shameless, shameless scoundrels. scoundrels. They are designed. Mm -hmm. They are there for this purpose right mm -hmm. here. To replace the sheer grace of our God with a sheer license. Which means doing away with Jesus Christ 
our one and only master. Mm -hmm. Because the idea of Child. race here, understand this, and we don't we don't have time to get into all this, but we've been talking about we, we need a Bible Institute because what you have to understand is this. And I'm going to I'm slow down and say it like this, he, because we taught this when we started teaching about living the resurrected life. And there was so much in there that people may have missed it. But here's one of the things we said in there. In that teaching, we said, we died with Jesus. We died with Jesus. If we died with Jesus, then the Bible says most Ooh. assuredly we were resurrected with Jesus. Mm -hmm. Paul keeps saying then, if we died with Jesus and we were resurrected with Jesus, then when we died with Jesus then, and we were in sin, then sin died too. He said, so then when you were resurrected to life, mm -hmm. it is impossible for you to live unto sin because how can when you are dead live toward what, is, what, what was killed? And if you think about it, it's so powerful. It's like he says, listen, Jesus came and when he came, he literally killed sin. You got up with Jesus and because sin was dead, you died to sin. Mm -hmm. And because you died to sin, how can you keep living towards sin then? He said, so if you're doing that, it's not the real you. It's your carnal you because the real you was resurrected and left sin in the grave. All right, tell everybody, say that's New Testament. That's New Testament. Jude is New Testament, in case y'all didn't know. Testament. It's after third John. It's New Testament. It's before it Revelation. But I want to say this because I want to break it down in a way that people understand. There are many of you that are members of what we call the divine nine. Mm. And every divine nine has a color scheme. There are some of you that since you have been, been in the divine nine, there are colors you will not wear because those colors represent an organization that you are not a part of. Mm. Now, even though none of our organizations created color, we understand that there are colors that go with every organization. You will get upset. There are people who will get upset if they saw their letters in another in another set of colors. We would say, no, 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 that ain't work. So how you in a natural organization and your colors are blue and white and you're offended that your colors would show up in pink and green or crimson and cream. But ain't nothing in you, Bob, that, that mm. you in the body of Christ and you don't put on righteousness, but you show up in sin. Wow. Now, it ain't that we don't understand it. No, it's not that we don't understand it. Yeah. We understand it very well because right now I know some of y'all, we could get you so worked up if they take some of your letters right now and put your letters in a different color. You'd be like, what is they doing over there? That ain't, I see it sometimes. You, babe, I have on a shirt and bros will be like, dog, what you got that red shirt on for? What you got that so-and-so shirt on for? You big mad, but nothing in us is aggravated by the fact that we have put on righteousness and we living in sin. Amen. Well, I thought y'all could understand that. <laughs> Does, do that make sense, y'all? Because I needed to make sense to you. And some of y'all may not be in fraternities and sororities, but you in the red hat club, you in, you in the links, you in the whatever, whatever. But it's like real talk. You're tied to these things how tied are you to living righteously? Mm -hmm. Where you gonna take us? I mean, I mean, you know, we can look at this. I mean, basically, this is still one of those foundational teachings where we're just saying to you, hey, we're getting ready in the next couple of weeks to really walk you through some things that may be challenging. Uh, and, and what we want you to do is to make the decision right now that, hey, you know what? I, first of all, I'm not gonna miss a service. 
Okay, because I, I need I'm not gonna let something come and inconvenience me because the enemy didn't want me to hear what's about to be taught. Come on, because the truth of the matter is what we're gonna do is we're gonna lay out some things for you so that you understand that yes, you're completing Christ. What does that mean and what does that look like? And now that I understand what it means and what it looks like, what is my obligation? What is my obligation to 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 live according to, as the Apostle Paul says, worthy of this gospel of Christ? How do I get to do what you told me to do, which is to contend for the faith? How, how do I contend for this faith? Not the faith to get a new car, not the faith to get a new house, not even the faith for healing. How do I contend for the faith when everything around is trying to water down this faith? When I say this faith, I'm talking about the gospel message, the saving faith, because we need to hold each other accountable to say, hey, it's not cool for us to show up just looking like the world. Well, because we have a responsibility. This gospel is to be preached to the ends of the earth. And the truth of it is, is that no one wants to hear about your Jesus when you live mm -hmm. just like they do, when you respond just like they do. Over my years, some of the greatest things in my life, years ago, I had to apologize to somebody that I did something to in college years ago. And the person said to me, I know that God is real in your life mm. because I know you could not have, you would not have apologized without something else. What a tremendous thing yeah. for people to say, I know you was this way in college. I know you used to fight. I know you used to go off. And so when I watch you now, when I watch how you handle yourself, I know there is something bigger than you at work mm -hmm. in you. That is what people ought to be able to say about us. They ought to be able to say, I remember when, and I know, pe can people look at your life and say, I know there's a God just because how you live. Mm. I know there's a God just because I want, listen, you didn't slap the fool out them. I know there is a God because of that yeah. right there. Yeah. And I think that it's so, you know, listen, we got these, um, do you have something? You no, so, I mean, I mean, we talked about the seven things. But we don't have to go back no, to those necessarily. What I want us to do is I asked you on Wednesday, for some of you who were there, I asked you to take a look at Romans chapter six. Yeah. Romans chapter six. And what I want to do is I want us to just walk through Romans six just real quick. Okay. Um, and then we're going to let you go. Because, okay. again, we're trying to build a foundation here. We're trying to build a foundation. So I want you to take a look at Romans six. Uh, we're going to look at several verses here. We're going to look at several verses in Romans one through six in the mirror translation. Uh, and I just want you to, 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 to see this. I want you to walk through and hear what the Apostle Paul was saying. When we start talking about living righteous, this is new. This is not, this new. Is not new. The entire New Testament is predicated on, on, hey, you're born again. Now live like it. Live like something. Live like something. And so it says in Romans 6, 1 through 16, and we can take turns doing this however you want to do it. It says, number one, it is not possible to interpret grace as a cheap excuse to continue in sin. He says, you can't do that. He says, it sounds to some that that's what we're saying. Like we're saying, let's carry on sinning then so that grace may abound. He says, but how ridiculous is that? How can we, this is what I was saying earlier, be dead and alive to sin at the same time? He says, if you believe you're complete in Christ, 
And if you believe that you died with Christ and that you are now alive to God, he says, how can you be both dead and alive at the same time? So anybody who interprets the grace of God for a license to sin doesn't understand anything about the death and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He, that, when I say people are biblically illiterate, that's what I mean. You cannot be both dead and alive at the same time if you realize what Jesus did on the cross and what he did when he, when he was resurrected. Verse 3 says, what are we saying then in baptism if we are not declaring that we understand our union with Christ in his death? He said, what the heck is you getting wet for? Why, Why in the, the world are you in the water if you are not saying that the symbolism of baptism is that you are dead to sin and alive in Christ? Read, read verse four. Child. <laughs> baptism <laughs> pictures how we were co-buried with Christ in his death. Then it powerfully illustrates how in God's mind, Who's mind? God's mind, in, 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 baptism, he said baptism is an illustration to show you what's in God's mind. In God's mind, we were co-raised with Christ into a, a new, new lifestyle. So then I can't be both dead and alive to sin at the same time because I've been resurrected to a new lifestyle. Verse six. Verse we, five. Oh, verse five. We were like seeds planted together in the same soil mm -hmm. to be co-quickened to life. If we were included in his death, we are equally included in his resurrection. So if I died like he died, he became sin because he wasn't sin, but he became sin. He became just like us. We died. He died. He got up. We got up. He got up with no sin. Guess what that means about us? We should live without, we should sin. Live without sin. We should live. He says, I like in the verse before in verse four, he says a new lifestyle. A new lifestyle. Put this in the comments. Say, but has your lifestyle changed though? He didn't, because and I like this because he doesn't just say a new life. He says a new life. A new lifestyle. A way of behaving. A way of behaving. And the longer we're with him, guys, the more that lifestyle should look like Christ. Mm. There should be a progressiveness in our life. Because if you go plant an acorn, the longer that tree grows, the more it's going to look like an oak tree. I was thinking about this the other day. We've lived in our neighborhood 20 years. Yep. And I have watched how these trees have grown. Yep. I've watched how in some of our neighbor's yards, yep. when we moved in, it was a little, it was a little tree. And now the trees shade the whole yard. Yep. Why? Because there ought to be some growth and some development. Here's the word, a maturing. There should be a maturing. <laughs> a maturing. But if you won't read your Bible, mm. and if nobody can correct you. And you don't come to service to hear teaching. Let Then what's going to happen is that, yes, you're saved, but your growth is stunted. Has your lifestyle changed? Has your lifestyle changed, mm. though? Right? Yep. Verse 6. Verse 6. We perceive that our old lifestyle was co-crucified with him. Together with him. Uh -huh. Together with him. This concludes, baby, them coaching people. <laughs> we perceive that our old lifestyle was co-crucified together. You got to read him. every word. <laughs> we perceive that our old lifestyle was co-crucified together with him. This concludes that the vehicle that accommodated sin in us was scrapped and rendered entirely useless. Our slavery to sin has come to an end. You ought to just shout right there. He said, whatever vehicle. 
Whatever be Whatever it. was operating in you that allowed sin to move around so freely in you, he said, it's been strapped. It's like having a car that no longer works and you take it to the scrapyard because it's useless. He said, that thing in you that used to let you sin so easily, it's been scrapped. And I want to speak to the person right now that you say that you've accepted Jesus as your personal savior, but you don't feel any conviction for sin. Mm. The Bible says you have a seared conscience. You ain't been scrapped. And after a <laughs> seared conscience, the next step is a reprobate mind. Mm. And I'm telling you, it is a dangerous thing to turn down the voice of God so that you cannot hear his correction. Because the enemy wants to literally sever your relationship with God so that he can have you forever. Here's what I want you to do. In verse 6, put the last part of verse 6 back up there. It says, our slavery to sin has come to an end, right? Now look at verse 7. It says, if nothing else stops you from doing something wrong, Child. that certainly should. <laughs> no, baby, this... Look, look, he says, our slavery to sin has come to an end, okay? He says, but now, if nothing else was going to stop you from doing it, that death that you died with Jesus, it certainly should. So what I hear you saying is that <laughs> somebody can live their life, a whole, their whole life acting a fool, but when they dead, they stop acting a fool. Because death will certainly Because stop death you. will stop you. So if I saw myself as dead in Christ, death would certainly stop me. Death would certainly stop you. And this is really what I say, I think, what is the tragedy. I think the tragedy is, is that many of us have never heard that our slavery to sin has ended. Mm, we've never heard it. What we've heard is this, this false doctrine, oh, Jesus loves you so he understands your heart. He understands your heart isn't dead. He understands that you have not been transformed. And so we now have this group of people who are like, oh, but I thought God loved me. I can remember years ago, because just because somebody has influence, I think somebody sent me this the other day, just because somebody has influence doesn't mean they don't speak for God. And a popular figure on her talk show said, I can't believe that God is a jealous God. Well, it's what the Bible says. Right. It's what the Bible Regardless says. Regardless of whether you can believe it so or not. So then a bunch of people who, because that person was famous, mm -hmm. was like, well, so-and-so said, I don't believe God is a jealous God. No, God says, I'm not competing for you. Mm. I have redeemed you. You belong to me. Yep. And I love what Demetri just says. You don't even understand this. This is so good. This right here that we're reading in Romans, yep. it is the divine emancipation proclamation. <laughs> yep. It is the emancipation. We're free and folk don't know it. We're free and don't even know it. We're free and don't even know it. And so then when sin tries to come and tempt us, we think we don't have any choice but to give in. And Shundra's so right. She said he said it about himself. So many times the we, we can go to scripture to see what the Lord said about himself. And because somebody doesn't like it, they go, well, I don't believe that. You don't believe what he said about himself. If you don't believe what he said about himself, you are looking for an excuse to stay alive to sin. And I want to say this because this is always so interesting to me is that when the people say, because again, I'm not talking about non-believers. I'm talking, talking about, about believers. believers. When people say we can't trust the Bible, but we bless going in and bless coming out. Come on, I thought we couldn't trust the Bible. A principle is a principle is a principle. If you can't trust it for one thing, you can't trust it for none then. You, you can't trust you can't trust the scripture that says Jesus is the only way to the Father, but you do trust the scripture that tells you you should prosper every place or you go. Or to heal your granny when she's in the hospital bed and you crying. 
or that wealth and riches should be in your house. Child, listen. Listen, we got to grow up, guys. Verse 8. Just <laughs> No, I'm gonna do. I'm, I'm gonna do. I'm, I'm gonna do you like they used to do in the nineties. What the heck? read, reader? It says faith sees us joined in His death and alive with Him in His resurrection. It is plain for all to see that death lost its dominion over Christ in His resurrection. Well, if we died with Christ and we were raised with Christ, we can read this say it is plain for all of us to see that death lost its dominion over Edwin, over Sean, over Trinica, over Chandra, over Ralph, over Chris, everybody who listened and born again in his resurrection. It says he need not ever die again to prove a further point. His appointment with death was once off. As far as sin is concerned, he did. That's it. The reason for his death was to take away the sin of the world. His life now exhibits our union with the life of God. That's it. He says, listen, you got to understand all this. Verse 11 says, this reasoning is equally relevant to you. He says, calculate the cross. There can only be one logical conclusion. He died your death. <laughs> this, that means you died unto sin. And you are now alive unto God. Sin consciousness can never again uh, feature in your future. It cannot feature in your future. You are in Christ Jesus, his what? Lordship. Not just his, not just being savior, but his, his lordship, lordship is, is the, the authority. authority of this union. If you are not joined to Christ as Lord, there's no authority that sin can stay out of your life. But that's the reason I said to you, I think it's so important you know, in the old church, we used to ask people if they were saved. Mm -hmm. And, I, you know, I was talking to mom the other day. You haven't even heard this. And she said that she was in her and dad was in service at their service several years ago. And dad made an altar call for salvation. He said that the Lord showed him this man back there. The man was faithful, served in church, everything. And, and, and the Lord told him, ask him if he is saved. He said, so he calls him up. Are you saved? Yes, sir, Pastor Tony, I'm saved. Right. Pastor Tony, let him go back to his seat. The Lord said, call him again and ask him if he's saved. Mm. He calls him up again. Sir, are you saved? Are you sure you're saved? Yes, I'm saved. Pastor Tony said, Pastor Tony said, clearly something is happening with him and God right now, right? Third time goes back. The Lord said, call him again and ask him if he's saved. Mm. When he comes back the third time, now I just want to say, if anybody asks you three times if you saved, just get saved again. Just assume <laughs> you ain't do it, right? But he asked, he said, then it came to him to ask the man, how you know, how do you know you're saved? Mm. And he said, I got baptized. Yep. See? And he said, have you ever made a confession of salvation? And the man said, no. And Pastor Tony said, one week later, that man died in a car accident. Mm. But he gave his life to Christ. But he gave his life to not Christ. Not just baptized in water. Not just baptized in water. Not just on the usher board. Not just serving in church. So I want to ask you today. Are you saved? Have you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your savior? Have you made a public confession that Jesus is Lord? Because that's the starting point. Because yeah. none of this. Because that's where the authority comes that's from. That's where the authority that he's is. He's Lord in your life. The, that's why we don't say Savior and Lord. We say he is Lord, Lord and Savior. And savior. <laughs> because that's where the authority comes from.
So now you look at verse 12, if you're saved and if you if you aren't saved, I love verse 12. if you aren't saved, then this is your opportunity to get saved. And if you're in a backslidden state, treat yourself like you're not saved and get saved and come out of that backslidden come state. Yes. Come home. Verse 12. You are under no obligation to sin. I need all hundred of y'all to put that in the comments. I am under no obligation to sin. So this lie from Satan that says to me, it ain't that big a deal. Everybody is sinning. I am under no I am under no obligation, obligation though. to sin. It has no further rights to dominate your dead declared body. Therefore, Come on. let it not entice you to obey its lust. Not to be graphic, but if a person is dead and they're lying on the ground and you say, come on, your favorite food is over here. I got your favorite food. You know you want this banana pudding. You know you want this pound cake. Your favorite food is here. A dead person is not enticed to get up and go eat that. You know why? They're dead. He said, you got to see, you got to see yourself like the dead person. And that sin is over here with whatever it is that your flesh wants. And it's calling for you. He says, but remember, you are under, under no obligation to sin. It doesn't have the right to dominate your dead body. And it cannot entice you to its lust. So I, that was a cute example. But I want to give the people an example <laughs> that they will understand. If you are dead, somebody in a t-shirt and they pantyhose, panties, don't get a response out of you. If you are dead, or oh, you just went dead. No, no, because I think, see, y'all be giving people these cute examples. They my, don't really I think my example was no, 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 no. Your example was cute. <laughs> you but, went to pantyholes. You didn't even just say no panties. panties. You said fishnets. The oh. fishnets. You know, I'm saying Jeez. to you that when you, it says you lust doesn't. Don't let the lust entice you. So if I treat myself as dead to adultery, it cannot entice me. Yeah. If I treat myself as dead to a relationship God called me not to be in, it cannot entice we me. We should be dead to anything God says no to. And I don't care who say yes. Amen. I don't care who say yes. I don't care how many committees they have. I don't care how many people co-sign. No, because people need to hear that. Like, if I'm dead to sin, how am I responding to these sex messages? You being enticed? You, you're responding you're to the, the flesh. You're letting, you're letting the, the, the flesh on. part of you. I want to go to verse 13. Let's do it. Do not let the members of your body lie around loose and unguarded in the vicinity of unrighteousness. Wait, do not let the members of your body lie around loose and unguarded in the vicinity of unrighteousness where sin can seize it and use it as a destructive weapon against you. Mm -hmm. Rather place yourself in readiness unto God, like someone resurrected from the dead. Present your whole person as a weapon of righteousness. Let me tell you why I love this scripture. Your, your person is going to be a weapon. Yeah. Your person is going to be a weapon. The question becomes, who will it be a weapon for? Against you? Or, or for, for God, yeah. your, 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 your person, your body is either going to be a weapon against you 
or it is going to be a weapon for God. And it's clear that you have a responsibility. He says, don't place yourself don't place around yourself. unrighteousness, don't place yourself. but rather place yourself in readiness to God. He says, you got to do something. It ain't just going to happen. And I think sometimes people sit around just waiting for God to make them righteous and make them, make them live like something. He says, no, I've done my part. I've made you righteous. Now you got to do your part in deciding what you're going to hang around and what you're going to be around. You're going to be around unrighteousness or you're going to be around readiness because one of those is going to determine the kind of weapon you're going to be. And I pray that for those of you who are struggling with sin, that a spirit of conviction will just come over you. And I really do pray that even the thing that you used to find enjoyment out of, you won't. You'll be able to hear the voice of God so loud. And I can just remember this. I remember when the Lord told me to come out the club, when he said, that's enough. You need to come out the club. And I was going to take myself to the club anyway. Child, I didn't have no fun in the club. Mm. Even when I was dancing, I ain't had no fun because the whole time I could hear the Lord telling me that I shouldn't be there. I pray that any situation that you are in, that you are not supposed to be in, that the voice of the Lord telling you that you are not supposed to be there will be so loud. Do you know what I did? And if you want that to be a part of your life, you ought to join with that prayer. Yes. Say, yes, Lord. Don't yes, just Lord. let her pray it. You pray it. Say, Lord, every single thing I'm doing that I know I'm not supposed to be doing, Lord, let me get no enjoyment out of anything. No enjoyment. No enjoyment. So you know what I did? I would go home. Hmm? My, I let my friends talk me going to the club. I would be in the club saying I should be getting ready for. But Sunday see, that's school. why he said in verse thirteen, he says, "Don't lay, don't let, the, don't let the members of your body lie around loose and unguarded in the vicinity of righteousness. Because if you get with folk who doing something that you ain't being called to do, whether it's right or wrong for them, it's wrong for you if the Lord told you not to do it." And, and I give you a prime example. Let's say the Lord told you don't eat meat no more. OK, I, I don't know. But for whatever reason, the Lord spoke to you and said, don't eat meat no more. Well, then you going to uh, to, a, to a steakhouse with all your friends or the Brazilian place where all they got is to be tempted by meat. Maybe eating meat is not a sin for them, but it is for you because God told you don't do it. He says, don't place yourself in a place of unrighteousness. But place yourself in a place of readiness. So you say to your friends, listen, I would love to go, but y'all going to Texas Day Brazil. They ain't got nothing there I can eat. If y'all like me to hang with y'all, let's go to a place where I can get a salad. Y'all can eat your meat, but I got to be able to get me something that's gonna be, you know, that I'm going to be satisfied with. And then there are some things that you just have to say, I can't go with you. I, period. I can't go with you because if I go with you, I'm going to end up in a bad place. This is also what I release over people. When I would go to the club and I wasn't supposed to be there, it never would fail. Somebody would say to me, Somebody would say to me, you don't belong here. Mm. And I pray that when you're going places and with people that you shouldn't be, even people who do it unrighteous will look at you and say, you're not supposed to be here. It's like a, I heard a story about the, the, some, I forget the basketball player, but he was he grew up in a really tough place in Chicago and he was really good. And all the gang members on both sides, the Crips and the Bloods, they all knew him. Right. And they was like, you're going to be something. You can't be here with us. So they he tried to hang out with the gangs, with the Crips. They sent him home. He tried to hang out with the Bloods. They sent him home. He had destiny on his life and, and praise God. God was like, no, nah, I'm going to even have the gang, the gang members send you away. I declare in Jesus name that if you show up in a place where you're not supposed to be, we believe it, they're going to send you away. They're going to send they you away. They ain't going to let you hang out in they gonna tell you don't even belong there. They're going to tell you you don't belong there. You need to go home. This ain't for you. They're going to help you understand until you can understand that this ain't where you're supposed to be. And listen, I also, I'm going to go ahead and let's take it further. When, when, Paul, um, um, Saul, King Saul was not a prophet, but when he got around the prophets, he began to prophesy. Some of y'all are going to be in places trying to get counsel from ungodly 
and they're going to tell you actually what God mm, said. Mm. They, they go that you go go to them for them to tell you to do wrong. And they're going to actually end up saying to you the voice of the Lord, because the Bible says God turns even the heart of the, the king. king. Yep. And there are people you have an assignment, you have a divine destiny. And we are calling every one of our partners and all of your families into divine destiny. You're the demonic destiny for your life will not be realized. Divine destiny shall be manifested and you will become increasingly uncomfortable in unrighteousness. In fact, this will be a sign. It will make your skin itch. Mm. It will make your skin itch. This will be the sign. It will make your skin itch. It will make your skin itch. It will make your, yeah, I hear that real clear. This will be the sign. When you go to those places and hang with those people, it will make your skin itch. Mm. And you the doctor will not go, be able to fix You got to go home and be able to scratch your skin off yourself. Man, I love you. <laughs> I love you. Verse 14. Sin was your master while the law was your measure. Now grace rules. Here's what I love about this. Sin was your master. It says, while the law was your measure. He said, but Jesus, came. and I love people say, well, Jesus came to get rid of the law. He did, but he didn't come to get rid of the law so that you could have grace as a license to sin. Because the law revealed our slavery to sin, but grace now reveals our freedom from it. So grace is not a license to sin. It, it, it is an award. It is, it is a, 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 a glaring example of literally our freedom from sin. That's what grace You're is. You're preaching good. Knock out these last two. Verse 15 and 16. It says, being under grace, that freedom from sin, and not under the law, the revelation to your sin, it most certainly does not mean that you now have a license to sin. And that's what we've been stressing. You've been made the righteousness of God. The grace of God exists. And I know people all over the world are talking about God's grace. But God's grace is not a license to sin. It is a reminder of your freedom from sin. I am free. Verse 16 says, as much as you once gave permission to sin, to trap you in a spiral of spiritual death and to enslave you to its dictates, he says, now the obedience that faith ignites in you introduces a brand new rule. Righteous, rightness, rightness with, with God. God. To this, we willingly, willingly yield ourselves. I yield I myself. willingly. I yield myself. Because God's not going to kick in the door and make you be obedient and make you live like something. He says, I willingly yield myself to it. I want to tell y'all this as we get ready to give to tonight. God. Listen, today, some of you may be thinking, I want to be, I want to give my life to the Lord. You can shout that out. You can say, I want to rededicate my life. I want to be filled with the spirit. I want to be a partner of Fellowship of Champions. And then if you want to give to the scholarship, bring your tithes and offerings. Fellowship of Champions is 100% tied to church. But I want to tell you this because I just had this happen to, uh, to Friday night. And, you know, I've been this word. The Lord gave me this word about how he's coming for everything between us. And it's an all consuming fire. And a lot of people are afraid of the fire of God because they only think about the fire of God in its destructive term towards sin. Mm. But the purpose of the fire of God is to it is to burn up everything that is not like God in your life. And so you'll see on my post a lot, I'm saying, we release the fire, we release the fire, we release the fire. This is not about your destruction. 
This is about your refinement. This is about, so anyway, I want to tell y'all what happened Friday night because I thought it was such a beautiful thing. The Lord told me to do something called Freedom Friday at 9 p.m., which is odd because I typically don't do things that late. I was teaching and the Lord gave me this word. He said to me, and I'm doing this because I believe that this shows you how, how the lengths God will go to to free someone. And there may be someone who needs to, to partake in this word. The Lord gave me this work vision and he said, there are three women on this live watching right now and they are involved in affairs and married me, right? And he said, at least one of them has been in an affair five to seven years. Mm. So I'm like, okay, I'll release it. I'm not really sure if I'm hearing correctly, but I keep telling y'all, I'd rather be an amateur following God and a pro doing nothing. Mm. So immediately three people come out and they're like, that used to be me. That used to be, that used to be me. So I'm literally saying, Hey, it's possible that I picked up something from somebody's past, not something right now. And this girl typed in caps, you know, it was allowed because caps, mm -hmm. she said, it's me. Okay. She says, it's me. And I love how everybody began to minister to her. You're better than this. God has called you out of this. This is nobody beat her up. Everybody was so proud that she would admit that it was her. And so pause when it was over, she sent me a message and she said she literally could not believe she typed that, but it was like the fire got on her and wouldn't let her stay she quiet. free. Because she really did want to be free. Absolutely. Now, back in the session, I say, I see one woman, you are actually laying in your bed with a scarf on, sexting a married man. Nobody responds. Okay, I'm still going to put it out here. When I get off the live, I have two women who say, I had a scarf on, I was in my bed, and I was sexting a married man. One lady said, I was going to meet the married man next week and have sex. And I have been asking the Lord to help me see that I shouldn't do it. Because sometimes people get so trapped, they just need yeah. help. And she said, the fact that God would identify me, she said, I was literally about to get off the lot. And that, it, it woke me up that God was saying to me, don't do this. So while God will not make you change, God will do all types of things to give you an opportunity to change. Mm -hmm. He will do all types of things to disrupt your path. And so what we're praying for is disruptions. People who are on a path to destruction, we're praying for disruptions. And that's what I want y'all to pray for people this week. Y'all know people that are caught up in all kinds of stuff. You need to begin to declare, we release disruptions, opportunities for them to turn because sometimes we just need somebody to say to us, you are better than this. Yep. God did not create you for this and you are free from sin. Amen. So be free in Jesus' name. Amen. Live righteous. Live righteous. Live like who you willingly. are. Willingly. Willingly yielding yourself to God so you can live out your greatest life because God wants the best for you. Amen. 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 All right. Well, there won't be a strategy for success tomorrow because it's the 4th of July. Pastor Ellen will be on the Blackstone cooking for me. And so, but Tuesday night, we'll have prayer yep. at 8 p.m. We want y'all to come to that. Wednesday, we have Ignite for our our 
teens, their Bible study, get them to that. Then we have Bible study at 7 p.m. I mean, 8 p.m. with Pastor Ralph. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then we have prayer at 6.30 a.m., um, Champion Circle, where all the champions gather. So this week, I want you in your prayer, praying for disruptions for people, praying that people will come out of darkness. And if you're in darkness in some way, praying that the Lord can disrupt you. Yeah. Give God permission to disrupt you. Stop fighting against what God is doing in your life. And we'll close with these two things. I saw a lot of new names today. I don't know if you noticed that, but I saw a lot of new me, names me today. Me too. Thank you guys for sharing. I know that's a result of you sharing. We saw a lot of new names. We saw a couple people who sent messages in and said, hey, I love this teaching. Uh, I live, you know, one person, I live in Maryland. I want to be a partner. Listen, we put some information there in the comment section. Hopefully you'll see it. You can go to our website at www.focchurch.com. And if you want to be a partner with us, we say all the time, oh, hey, Kim. we say all the time that all you got to do is let us know. Let us know you want to be a partner. Uh, go to the website, fill out the partnership information. And we would love to have you. We would love to have you. So thank you for whoever sent out uh, the various things today. I saw a lot of new names. It was interesting to see uh, all the new names today. That's a result of you sharing. That's a result of you guys sharing. We praise God for you. Don't forget about the scholarship. Okay? I'm asking you to share it. I'm asking you to share it. I know it's not always easy to ask people to give, but, 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 but hey, hey, from London, all right. Um, but listen, I know it's not always easy to give, I mean, to ask people to give, but if you ask, they'll do it. They'll respond. They, respond. They're waiting to give to something like this and, and explain to them, hey, this goes to help students who are going um, to college and we're trying to help reduce that, that debt in their life, right? Yes. And so um, $100,000 is our goal. It's a big goal, but we know we serve a big God. Amen. Bianca said, Maryland Partners Unite. I'm trying to get Pastor Ellen to do something in Maryland. Listen, Pastor Ellen was just no, no, I, But, but come was, on. No, no. And, <laughs> and was, I got to work. I got, I got picked up from the airport. It was like, hey, baby, I miss you so much. Let me talk to you about Maryland. I'm like, really? Can I get in the car again? <laughs> and then... I got a word about London and we had some people from London. We Baby, did. we taking this thing world around. But Maryland, I need y'all to help me. Maryland, <laughs> y'all got to help y'all pastor see that Maryland needs live services. Maryland, need, if y'all think Maryland needs live services, I need some comments in there. Maryland, y'all think y'all need to share this and get more Maryland folks. We got up. lots you, of Maryland I, I, folks. I didn't say lots. I we got more. lots of Maryland folks. Y'all know I'm down for Maryland folks. <laughs> y'all get y'all get a hundred Maryland folks to show up next week. <laughs> Maryland folks, y'all can do it. Maryland folks are strong. <laughs> get a hundred folks. Look at come. all these Maryland people. Y'all get come on, come on, Kim, come on, y'all, 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 y'all get them Maryland folks to show up. And the people in Arkansas <laughs> say they need live service because they want to travel. They like listen here. Get a hundred to show up on, on a Sunday online. You, did the Lord say that? I'm telling you. Did the Lord? I'm telling you. But did the Lord say I'm that? I'm telling you. So that's when y'all know <laughs> that the Lord didn't say that. Y'all just keep <laughs> pressing and praying. All right. We love y'all. Have an amazing weekend. Enjoy your family. Oh, the weekend's over, but you got a holiday tomorrow. You got a holiday. Enjoy your family tomorrow. Be safe. And listen, if this ministry is blessing you, can y'all send us a message? Send Pastor Ellen a message. Send Pastor me. I'm Pastor Sean. Send me a message. <laughs> send Pastor Ralph, Pastor Chris a message and let us... Trinika said she about to put, she don't put that Abraham on. She said, what if it's 25? It's 25 Maryland partners. It's 25 Maryland partners. We about to reach the world. I told Glory him, I said, to God. I, this what, I want y'all to know what I told y'all pastor the other day. I told you pastor. I said, we can do more. We will reach more people. We will touch more lives. 
because this ministry will live beyond us. Amen. Praise God. Now I agree with that part. Amen. Now let's go, Maryland. <laughs> I agree with that. Let's part. go, Maryland, because I'm about that Maryland life. Let's go, Maryland. Y'all help me out. Matter of fact, I mess around and wear a Maryland t-shirt on, on, on July 31st. You ain't going to wear nothing but that Arkansas raise back. No, I'm going I'm to wear me a Maryland shirt, right? Where then? All right. We love y'all. <laughs> <laughs> no, Tamara said you sing it. She said you get to sing it in your voice when you like, uh-huh. <laughs> All right. We love y'all. Y'all have a great day. Send us a message. Let us know how the ministry is impacting you. Um, I see DMV. They don't got serious. Come on, old bay. They don't got serious out here. Hey, man, y'all be safe. <laughs> <laughs> Popping them firecrackers. Y'all stay safe out there. God bless y'all. <laughs> we love y'all. Have a great day. We'll see y'all on Tuesday. Peace. Bye.